Welcome everyone to MANA Ministry. We are officially beginning our fourth episode. And here it goes to another great episode in our series entitled Truth Prescriptions. I have personally really enjoyed every single truth prescription that we have thus far discovered. And what's exciting is to know that there's so much more along the way. So continue to join us every two weeks on Thursday evenings at seven o'clock for our truth prescription. And so we do want to remind you to please, please subscribe, follow and share with a friend. And the reason isn't for popularity. The reason why is because we are currently in a time in history where many people are struggling with mental health. And if it's not them, they know of someone who is struggling with mental health. And so we want to encourage, uplift and bring healing to as many people as possible. So we do encourage you, don't forget to subscribe. It's not very difficult, follow and to share with a friend. So I would like to introduce myself first. My name is Chrisel Olasaran, for those who don't know me, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And joining me today, as every episode has joined me, is my lovely sister, Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Katie Elson. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, and we both are your weekly or bi-weekly, I should say, hosts. Yes. And so thank you for joining us. Before we begin every episode, we would just like to share a disclaimer. Just as a reminder, the intent of this series is not to provide nor to be a substitute for any professional advice, diagnosis, or any treatment. Instead, our purpose is to provide spiritual guidance on how to utilize the Bible to bring about healing in regards to your mental health, to be a practical guide for your mental well-being. So we do encourage you to please always seek advice from your mental health professional or any other qualified health provider with any questions that you may have regarding your condition, or even particularly if there's any question that comes up that is more specific to any condition that you may have, we do encourage you to seek advice from a mental health professional. And we know that there may be some of you who I are either watching tonight or will later on that might be in a crisis, right? We live in a world with constant crises, but mm -hmm. especially a mental health crisis. And so if you're having some sort of emergency, we encourage you to call your doctor or 911. And if you're specifically having suicidal thoughts and struggling with those thoughts, there's a lovely resource, 1-800-273-TALK-8255. And you could talk to a skilled, trained counselor. So that's really helpful because they are individuals that are constantly receiving calls and can help you through your crisis. Seek help, right? We're going to talk a little bit about connection today, but seek help, connect with people that can help you through that crisis. And of course, if you're located outside of the U.S., um, to call your local emergency line immediately. Yeah, so please keep that disclaimer in mind for each and every one of our episodes. Before we begin, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord in heaven, here we are again, thanking you for the opportunity to be able to connect virtually, Lord. Even though we are in a difficult time in history regarding COVID, we do thank you for this platform. And we pray specifically for the guidance of the Holy Spirit for us to, to be touched in places that need to be healed. And also, Lord, to be uplifted in, in places that were discouraged. And bring about change, Lord. Change can be uncomfortable, but we know that on the other side of change, Lord, is growth. 
So we do ask for your guidance here this evening. Thank you for all that you do for us and all that you have in mind to give us in the future, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, Katie, introduce us to our title for today's episode. Yes. So as you can all see, GPS with an emphasis on the P because as if you've joined us before, we have been covering three main P's and I'll just quickly show that as a visual. We have our prescriber, the prescription and the patient, right? As we think about truth prescriptions and how we can improve our mental well-being, we have talked so far about the prescriber, right? How to look for a good truthful prescriber. And today we'll be transitioning to the second P, which is the prescription. And so specifically, not just any prescription, but God's prescription in scripture and how we can utilize scripture as our GPS, guiding us and navigating us to our mental well-being. But before we do, we like to either have an activity or an icebreaker question. And so the question for today might have a little thing to do with a GPS. <laughs> so <laughs> we want to hear from you and whether you're joining us tonight or later on, you can even comment in the comments below. But what's the worst or best directions that you've ever received and why? So best or worst directions you've received and why? And Chris and I were a little bit debating on whether or not to do this question because we use our GPS, our phones so mm -hmm. often these days that perhaps it might be hard to recall the last time we may have even asked for directions. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing that most of us can recall at least one or two times um, of which we've received directions and whether or not they were good or bad and why. Yes, and, and we don't have your name, yes. And then the answer to the question. And we don't have to think about directions in regards to getting in your car and driving to a place necessarily. People can give directions simply to ask, oh, where is the bathroom located here in the restaurant? True. Is true. I didn't think of located that. In the store. So, or even I'm looking for this particular person. Where's their office? Yes. Directions, right? Very true. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have GPS to locate. Well, actually, we do have GPS to locate people, huh? There are oh, apps, yes. find, find friends, or yeah. <laughs> you can locate people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, I will begin by sharing. My name is Chriselle, as I shared earlier. And I, talking about having different types of directions, there was a particular time where a person that I know lost their phone and we tried to locate it using an app <laughs> and the app told us to go to a particular place so we drove to that place and then as soon as we got there it was as if the location of the phone kept moving and so we were thinking someone has this phone and so we kept trying to follow the directions of where that gps was was leading us finally we got to someone's home and it showed that the phone was inside of that house so we, we muttered up all the courage. It was a little awkward. We know the person had their garage door open and we went in and we said, um, is there anyone here who recently picked up a phone, like a lost phone? No. Well, let me ask my, I think it was my brother or, and so the lady went in and said, did you find a lost phone when you went out? 
no. And we're like, they have to be lying. Make a long story short. The phone was back at the store where it was lost the whole time. And that GPS was leading us and we were completely lost. (laughs) Worst directions ever. (laughs) So this was based off an app. Yes. And it took us about an hour to figure this out. Did you figure out why it was so, it was so erroneous? I mean, the accuracy, it was not accurate of the location of the phone. So at times it would show one place it was, and we were thinking it was super accurate. Therefore we were literally going to every single place. We saw that it would indicate the phone was at, but it wasn't there. Bad directions. (laughs) All right. If you just joined us, we are doing an icebreaker question. You can chat and message in the chat box um, if you'd like to share your name. And then what's the worst or best directions you've received and why? And then we'll jump into our episode for today. So my name is Katie. And one of one, one thing that comes to mind actually happened yesterday. I was talking with a coworker and she's like, oh, you inspire me. And I said, What? <laughs> She said, mm-hmm. I saw you running the other day. And it's not like the Loma Linda community in which, you know, everyone sees everyone. Here, it's, everyone's pretty spread out. And so I was really surprised. I was like, wow, you saw me? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, do you live in my neighborhood? Because I was running my neighborhood. And she was like, yeah, I live. And she said where she lived. And she's like, oh, on, on, on this road. And I said, okay, that, that helped, right? Say which road. But then mm-hmm. she started describing like certain things and like visual things. And I was like, I was lost. And so she then asked me, well, where do you live? And I, t- I told her a street name, <laughs> which you can already see the differences mm-hmm. in how we process information. I'm very, I like, you know, details and I like things that are very straightforward. And Chris, I know you were sharing with me earlier that you're very, well, I know this already about you, but you're very mm-hmm. visual. And so mm-hmm. you like things when people give you landmarks and other descriptors. Yes. Once they start giving me street names, I'm like, I'm going to be lost. I don't, or the freeway, this, the freeway, that I said, the freeway that leads to Riverside, the free, I don't know. <laughs> the freeway. <laughs> and I tried to memorize it, but I, I'm more of a, a landmark type of directions person. <laughs> And I'm very much so, okay, give me certain street names and Mm -hmm. where they cross, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. noticing that different people receive different directions in different ways. And give them as well. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would anyone else like to share? I know sometimes on Zoom, people are a little bit hesitant to, to share, but... If you'd like to share in the chat box, feel free to share. If you'd like to share anything about the worst or best directions that you've received and whether that's like Chriselle mentioned, going somewhere in your car or even to the bathroom or local restaurants, et cetera. Mm-hmm. If not, what we'll do is if you'd like to share, you can. Um, oh, I think something just popped up. Yes. So, so Crystal, I think you keep on switching your screen on and off. Yeah. For some reason, when I go up to the top, it moves me out. So I'll try my best not to do that. But we do have someone in the chat says, hi, my name is Robert. A friend of mine gave me information about a scholarship at the University of Manchester 
but he did not tell me that apart from getting the admission, I had to also apply for the scholarship. <laughs> I got the admission in a week, but I ended up not attending. Uh, so it wasn't a complete directions in terms of figuring out the scholarship and getting the scholarship. Yeah. Directions are important. Mm-hmm. Just one detail, you're lost, right? Yeah. So you, it just takes literally one turn and then the rest of the directions are off. <laughs> so if you'd like to send any in, feel free to send them in, but we're going to continue for the sake of time. And we always like to review our last truth prescription. And so if you remember last week, we talked about how to choose a therapist, how to find a therapist, a good therapist, rethink your shriek. Mm -hmm. And our truth prescription, Chrisel, do you remember what it was? What was our truth prescription? I'm blinking out. It's okay. Thank you, Katie, for helping. It says, reflect on whether or not you would benefit from seeking a therapist and take the suggested steps, starting with prayer, very crucial, to get connected or share this with video with a friend who may be struggling with knowing how to find a good therapist or a therapist. Yes. And that was our truth prescription. And so we are curious to know if there's anyone who would like to share whether or not they completed the truth prescription. Um, if not, we can continue forward. Yes. And I would really emphasize the latter one, especially because I've had even several conversations this past week with individuals of how do I find a good therapist? Does my therapist have to be Christian? Does my therapist have to be Adventist? Does my therapist have to be fill in the blank? So mm-hmm. a lot of people seeking counsel and guidance of, you know, how to take the steps to look for a therapist. And so we want to make sure that people have that support. Yes. Okay, I don't think we have any response then. That's fine. All right, so jumping into today's episode, again, today's episode is entitled GPS, God's Prescription in Scripture, and how we can use the Bible and specific truths in the Bible to guide us to mental well-being. And talking about guidance, that connects us with our previous episode, because we were saying, how do we know who is a good therapist? What's the purpose? I think the, the original question we started off with, what is the purpose of therapy? What's the purpose of seeking counseling? And what was the response, Katie? Guidance guidance, right? We're seeking guidance. We want to get to a certain particular destination, but we need guidance of how to get there. Essentially, that's what we get from a therapist. Yeah. So we, we looked up the word guidance actually, and I'm just going to read the, the description because it, it highlights very important key points. It says to guide is to assist a person to travel through or reach a destination in an unfamiliar area as by accompanying or giving directions, there we see, to the person. Mm -hmm. And so what we focused on last time was the counselor, the prescriber giving the directions, but there are two remaining questions that we have. And what are those two remaining questions in that that specific definition, Chriselle? Is 
what GPS or more specifically, what prescription are we utilizing, right? As well as what is the ultimate destination? Yes, because you may find a good counselor, but mm-hmm. it's also important to ask what map, what, what treatment are they using, right? And where are we going? Because, okay, mm-hmm. I found a great therapist, but really what's their GPS, right? If someone, you may trust the person, but are, is this person one that gives good directions, right? Is this person even know where you're going? I know I'm thinking Katie at visual as I am. I'm thinking, imagine if you're, you're like, okay, I need to get somewhere. And then someone pulls over, like, just get in the car. I'll take you where you got to go. You're like, okay. So you get in and they're like, geo GPS. No. Um, do you know how to get to? No, just trust me. We'll figure it out. And you're like, I mean, I would be anxious. <laughs> this I person anxious. has no clue what they're doing. They're confident, mm-hmm. but uh, they have no clue what they're doing. And so I would have a hard time trusting this person if they don't know how to get to the place I'm wanting to get. Or imagine if you get in the car and you're like, oh, I don't know where I need to go, but someone said it's kind of like this. Oh, maybe it's this place. Maybe. Maybe it's this place. Maybe. It's just to be lost is uncomfortable. (laughs) So basically what's really important is destination Mm -hmm. and having a GPS, right? Yes. So that's for literal directions, right? But also directions Mm -hmm. in how to seek out our mental well-being, how to navigate towards towards that. So I think the first question would be, well, what's the destination, the end goal of therapy? Any thoughts? And this is where we would like to, if you have any comments, I know sometimes people get a little shy on Zoom, but you can yeah. just comment in the comment box, any thoughts on what the end goal of therapy is, or even what's the end goal of life? Like what, where, what's the destination? And what we are meaning is not just from a spiritual perspective, but just in general, what do you think is the end goal of life or end goal of therapy, the destination? Chriselle, do you have any thoughts as well? We have a comment here saying that the end goal is recovery. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Recovery so from. Is that a mental disorder question? Well, they could answer either or. Okay. I would agree with recovery. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say recovery specifically from a mental health disorder. So depression, anxiety, trauma, right, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I would say in regards to your question for life, it seems as though it would be finding meaning. Okay. And purpose. Mm -hmm. And purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have another comment there. Katie, do you mind reading it? Please. Yes. End goal of life is learn to love God and experience full healing from the effects of sin. Okay. Mm-hmm. So recovery, but now from, from a spiritual perspective, recovery mm-hmm. from, from sin mm-hmm. to learn to love God. Okay. So, so far we have a couple of responses that are touching on some elements of the destination. Where do we want to go? Mm-hmm. And maybe even thinking if you've struggled with your mental health, what might have been your end goal? What, what were you thinking would be the end goal in treatment or in therapy? We have a, another comment here saying the end goal for therapy is to eventually become your own therapist. Yeah. I like that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It's to put people like you and myself, Chriselle, out of a job. 
<laughs> yeah. So we can help others. Yeah. <laughs> and really the effects then it's like an exponential effect, right? Then mm-hmm. that person who becomes their own therapist helps their friends and their families and their mm-hmm. communities and so forth. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good responses. So Chriselle, most people think that the end goal of therapy is recovery. And that's partially true. Why is mm-hmm. that partially true? Because they may be able to have a reduction of symptoms, but beyond that, what else is there? What's so the point you, of reducing symptoms? Exactly. Is it just to feel better or is it to grow from where you're currently at or where you were currently at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have another comment. Yes, yeah, as making man whole, restoring people into the image of God. It's true. So, so one thing that I like to think about in regards to, for example, trauma. So I do a lot of trauma treatment and partially it's true that I want them to recover from their trauma symptoms. So a lot of trauma symptoms include intrusive thoughts, thinking a lot about the trauma, um, hypervigilance, certain beliefs that you have about yourself or others or the world. But what I notice is often, okay, they, they reduce their symptoms, but then the second part, and one of my favorite parts of therapy is what we call post-traumatic growth of when you can not only have less memories of the trauma, but then you actually utilize the trauma, integrate it into your narrative, into your story. And that actually promotes growth in your life, that you wouldn't be the same person without that trauma. You become a better, stronger person Mm -hmm. as a result. It's like the quote from Dr. Viktor Frankl says, to live is to suffer, but to survive or to thrive in life is to make meaning of that suffering. Mm-hmm. So yes, Purple. recovery, but also growth. Mm-hmm. So Crystal, who, so not who, but who standing for the World Health Organization um, talks about kind of talks about mental health and well-being. Um, what, what, do, what do they mention about mental health well-being? So it's interesting because they define mental health not as an absence of a, a mental disorder, but they rather they define it as a capacity to cope with life or to contribute positively in wider community. And that's, it's interesting because most of us, this is an assumption, but most of us, we, we come from a place of thinking that mental health has to do with either you have a mental health disorder or you don't. Either you're labeled as crazy or you're not. Um, but th- I really like this, this definition because mental health is much more than having or being labeled with a mental, mental disorder. Yeah, so the definition itself is it's a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her abilities can cope with the stressors of life and can work productively and fruitfully and is able to make a contribution to his or her community, right? It's not just saying, I don't have a disorder, but I am then able to cope and to work productively and connect with people. Mm -hmm. 
And so a lot of therapies focus on like, okay, survive or revive a person, but therapy, the end goal of therapy is also to thrive. But I want to ask you all this question. The question is, why thrive? Thrive for what purpose? Why, why recover? What's the purpose of having less symptoms? What's the purpose of surviving or recovery? Recovery for what? To do better in society. Okay, just to do better? Well, I mean, you can break it down to do better in society in regards to being able to work better, to be um, a more fulfilling member of your family, to be able to connect with those around you. Yeah, and essentially, if you think about it, the essence of individuals' lives is connection. Mm -hmm. So somebody could be super successful in life, but if they have no family, no friends, no connection, it's meaningless. Somebody can have family, friends, connection, and be poor and still be content. So the essence of life, the end goal of life, and the end goal of therapy is really to help you recover in order to connect. And things often like depression, anxiety, etc., get in the way of connecting. And we see that same purpose in scripture. Yes, exactly. Same purpose in scripture. So now going from purpose in therapy to now purpose in scripture, purpose of scripture is to help us grow, right? It's not to allow us to stay stagnant in our lives, but to continue to push us to be our better, to be better selves, to be able to connect with God, to be able to have the truth and to be led in truth, to be able to have understanding to be able to have meaning. I mean, there's just so many, so many things that we gain in terms of the purpose of scripture to provide direction, I think would be the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting, Chriselle, is most people that I know when they think about the purpose of scripture is they tend to look at it from only a spiritual perspective, mm -hmm. that the purpose of scripture is for salvation. The mm -hmm. purpose of scripture is only to connect to God or to only glorify God. And I'm not being blasphemous. I, I mean that it's too narrow of a focus. The Bible talks a lot more than just spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And that's one of our main points and objectives of today's episode is to recognize that the Bible has so much to say about mental health. And the reason why is if you have your Bibles, actually, let's turn, let's turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This is something I had never seen before until recently. I was studying one of my favorite texts, Romans chapter 10, um, verses, let's see here, 14 and 15. So it talks about the gospel and I really like these verses because it talks about the importance of our responsibility in sharing the gospel. Chriselle, do you have that? Can you read it? Yes. Romans chapter 10 verses 14 and 15, you said? Mm -hmm. Okay. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So you might be thinking, Katie, what in the world does this have to do with mental health? So it says there to preach the gospel of peace. Does anyone want to guess what does peace, what is the gospel of peace? And Crystal, I don't think I've shared this with you. So if you want to guess also. (laughs) (laughs) Gospel of peace. Any guesses? I'm going to see if someone else wants to answer. Someone says peace, restoration, the gospel of salvation. Mm -hmm. So again, we often look at this from the perspective of spirituality. But what's really interesting is this word peace, the original Greek word, I don't know if I should butcher it, irini, irini, I don't speak Greek. Um, But if you look at it, the original word, it means to join together means connection and through that connection reconciliation restoration holistic healing Mm. i was reading a commentary on this and it says it covers this word covers the sum total of god's blessings to a person who belongs to the covenant community a lot of words in there basically The total sum the gospel is the total sum all of god's blessings wrapped up in the gospel to those who belong to a relationship with him. The gospel of peace is the the Bible is the gospel, the good news about finding restoration, healing, complete healing through connection. So the Mm -hmm. end, the destination of therapy, the destination of life, the destination of scripture, the end goal is connection, connection with God, and connection with people. And you see that very clearly. Genesis is the loss of connection. God is walking in the garden with them. And then they lost connection. And then the rest of the the books is God trying to restore that connection, that he even sends his son, God with us to dwell with us. Jesus comes for connection to restore. And then the end of the, the book, the end of the Bible is how he restores the healing of the nations through the tree of life. So it's really about, the Bible is about connection. So Chriselle, there's gonna be three main things that we're gonna, well, three, four, three, four-ish things that we're gonna talk about today. How is that related to connection and mental health? Well, recognizing that it says here, to preach the gospel of peace, which is an element of holistic healing, right? Essentially means that that holistic healing can be provided through the Bible. So that means then as we're going to continue, we're going to recognize how the Bible has a truth prescription in regards to being a prescription to know how to live your life, how to recover through your struggles, but not only recover, but to have that holistic healing, which where growth is found. And so we're going to go into Um, three tenants and these are connected to mental health because 
we're not going to go into detail, but there are a lot of different theories when it comes to what type of treatments could be helpful for a particular patient or, or client who is in therapy. And some may be good, some may be bad, some may be helpful, some may be unhelpful, but we're not going to go into those specifically. But we just want to emphasize the point that the Bible covers three components that have also been identified as helpful and truthful when it comes to theories in treatment. Right, Katie? Mm -hmm. And do you guys want to guess what those three components, three tenets that we're going to cover in regards to our mental health that is also found in the Bible. Yeah. So three main core components that make up who we are. Mm -hmm. And therefore it's really important to cover those because if we don't have healthy, these three things that inhibits, inhibits our ability to connect. Mm -hmm. Any guesses? Prayer. Prayer. That's a component, but we're going into detail. Yeah. So three main things that make up who we are as human beings. Should we give them one, Chriselle? Oh, emotions. Yes. (laughs) There's one of them, emotions. What are the other two? Someone says brain body getting warmer. Spirit. Mm. (laughs) Let's just give it to them, Katie. They got one, right? Yes. There we go. Yes. Thoughts. Yes. So So we we have emotions, emotions, thoughts. There's another one missing. Emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. Yes, Karen. Thank you. Yes. So we have our emotions, we have our thoughts, and we have our behaviors. Three that we're going to see that are here in the Bible and are also part of theories that we utilize in treatment. And so it's, but we want to know the truth from the Bible and what it has to say in regards to those three tenets, right, Katie? So what, which one are we going to start with? We are going to start with behaviors. And so I just like to say that I am super excited about this topic because when I was doing my studies in psychology, I was learning these things in textbooks of do these certain behaviors, have these certain thoughts, have these certain emotions. And the more that I studied God's word, I was like, this, is, this isn't new. Like research is supporting all of these things, but it's always been in this Bible. And I was so shocked to see how many Christians, how many people who read this and don't see mental health principles. And so really the objective is how do we see behaviors, thoughts, and emotions in God's word? So I'm really excited. And if you we're probably, before we even go into each one, if you have any ideas of scriptures or passages or stories that you want to type, when we talk about behaviors, what do you think are some principles or mental health nuggets um, that the Bible talks about behaviors? kind of testing your own knowledge of how much the Bible speaks on these different topics. So behaviors, anyone have anything? We'll go through quite a few and we might be a little bit rapid fire of quite a few things because the Bible says a lot about mental health. Yes. And so just to review 
these three tenants, these three components are in relation to our mental health. So when we're going over behaviors, the question is, which behaviors impact our mental health? Yes. Or which emotions or how we manage our emotions impact our mental health, how we manage our thoughts impact our mental health. Yeah. So where do we want to start, Griselle, with behaviors? There's so many different behaviors. And when we do, when I do treatment, we start with behaviors because it's the most effective to change in the beginning, right? It really starts setting our mood. What we do impacts how we feel. Mm. Okay. That's a good question because there's just so many behaviors. Yes. Let's start with one maybe really related to COVID. I was thinking the same. Good. <laughs> I was thinking isolation. Mm. And I wasn't thinking necessarily as it relates to COVID, but I was thinking isolation because when it comes to mental health struggles, isolation tends to be an overlapping sign that someone may be struggling with their mental health. Every time someone withdraws from others, typically something is not doing well in their life. And so isolation. Yes, especially for depression, we see a lot with addiction, right? Out of the shame, you isolate, you withdraw. Mm -hmm. And then with COVID, it, we were forced to isolate and that significantly contributed to more mental health difficulties. And the Bible talks about it. Yes, and Katie, and, and also isolation, even in marriage. You can be living in the same home and yet still isolate yourself from your partner and not practice being one together. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's see what the Bible has to say. Proverbs 18, one and Proverbs, just the book of Proverbs itself has a lot of mental health principles. If you're struggling with your mental health, read the book of Proverbs. And what I do, I don't know if you all can see is I will highlight in a specific color whenever there's a mental health thing in my Bible. And so you'll see that there's a lot of different highlights because the Bible has a lot to say, especially in Proverbs. Crystal, do you have Proverbs 18.1? Yes. It says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So what does it say here specifically in regards to isolation? That it's a good behavior to engage in? No. No. And what makes it a bad behavior? I mean, it's not good for us in the sense of it, it goes contrary to who we are as human beings, we need connection. And we're not mm -hmm. going to go through all the verses that talk about, you know, connection and support, but e Ecclesiastes four talks about how basically it's better to have friends, right? Because if one falls down, you have another to pick them up. And that's not talking about physically falling. It's not mm -hmm. saying, okay, yeah, definitely walk with somebody because in case you trip, no, this is saying metaphorically trip in life, right? So if you're struggling, it's important to be connected with others. We have the temptation to isolate, but I, I really like Galatians 6, 2. This is one of the, my favorite verses in regards to support. It says, share each other's burdens. Other versions say, carry each other's burdens. And in this, fulfill the law of Christ. Wait, what? I thought fulfilling the law of Christ had to do with like the 10 commandments. No, the law of Christ is connection. Mm -hmm. And so God is saying, when you're struggling, you have to be connected. And that's completely supported by research today. Completely. We have a comment here saying, on isolation, the Bible says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Sorry, Dr. Fauci. 
very important. <laughs> also, the verse on the threefold strand, we need each other. Yes. 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 And if and you that- look at the pattern, Katie, of behaviors, any behavior that leads you to isolate from yourself leads to destruction. Exactly. And a comment on the forsake, not the assembling of yourselves together. You notice the language that is used there. Forsake not, meaning Paul writes it in a way that he's like, I think you're going to forget. I think you're going to forsake. Forget Mm -hmm. not. Forsake not. He's saying, don't isolate. Don't forget to come together because you need it. You definitely need it. Okay, so that's one behavior, connection. So this, again, these are truth prescriptions for your mental well-being. So you're struggling, connect with people. And not just any type of connection, Crystal, right? What about boundaries? Does the Bible talk about boundaries? Should we connect with certain people or just connect with everyone all the time, even when it's unhealthy and toxic relationships? Well, you'd be shocked to know the Bible does have something to say about boundaries. In Proverbs, here we are still in Proverbs, right? Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Mm. 25, verse 28. And it reads, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And then in other versions may say a person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls and boundaries in a way, I don't know. I think Katie, we both share this with our patients. Boundaries are a way to, it's like having a fence to have protection for what you want to protect that's within Right. And so here saying it's like having broken down walls. Mm -hmm. Right. One, one thing we won't go into one passage we won't go into, and maybe we'll, we'll do it in a future study, but a little teaser maybe is the story of the garden of Gethsemane. That's that story tells us, teaches us about boundaries. Mm -hmm. You might say what garden of Gethsemane, Jesus goes to the garden to pray. You see different levels of relationships that Jesus has. Jesus first tells the group of disciples some things, that's boundaries. And then he takes three of his best friends and tells them a little bit more. And then he goes to God and tells God everything, really pours out all of who he is. Jesus was exhibiting boundaries. Boundaries are, you don't share everything with everyone. You choose which relationships to share and connect more deeply with. Mm. And if you want to do an extra study, look at what exactly does Jesus share with the main group with just the three friends and then just with God himself. So if you're struggling with connection and struggling whom to trust, the Bible teaches, you know, there are some people you can trust more than others and especially come to God with everything. Now, another topic similar to that is forgiveness. I don't know about you, Chriselle, but when I did my studies, it would talk about the, you know, the power of forgiveness, the importance of it, but it didn't really give good tools or good counsel on how to help your clients forgive. Well, actually, in my education, we had an entire class on forgiveness. I don't know if that's because ours or me being a marriage and family therapist, it's more family system oriented. 
versus a psychologist, perhaps, um, because forgiveness is, is system oriented, right? And so, yes, uh, we had to actually write an entire paper on us forgiving others. And, you know, Katie, to be honest with you, oftentimes I think that forgiveness is something that is forgotten as a behavior to engage in. And sometimes we think also that it has to do with just forgiveness to someone else, but it also forgiveness in, in relationship to yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we yes. hold things and then we don't let go of it, but it's the Bible has so many verses in regards to forgiveness. And I think that that just reiterates the fact that it, it's so important to engage in the behavior of forgiveness. It helps alleviate any emotions which we're going to get to that you're struggling with and you're carrying with for so many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's unloading that burden, right? Mm-hmm. It's exactly. like the, the quote that says, um, anger is drinking poison, hoping that it kills the other person. Right. The irony of hurting that, yes. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So connection, boundaries, forgiveness, what else? What other, what other behaviors? And if anyone wants to comment, oh, we do have a comment. You have a verse here, Second Corinthians 6, 16 through 17. I have it here. You do? Okay. Go ahead. Yes. Therefore, from now on, no, that's not it. I'm back here. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Am I correct here? Yes. Yes. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Yeah, so talking about boundaries here, to be separate, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. Come out from among them, this is what the comment says, and be separate. Principle of being totally devoted to God and having to put boundaries with those who are not devoted to God. Yes. Yes, boundaries important. And then we have another comment here, right? By by not forgiving, the offender lives rent-free in your thoughts. Yeah, it's so true. Yes, definitely. What other behaviors does the Bible talk about that is important for our mental well-being? Well, you know, we're going over different verses um, and there's also stories, but regards to a topic of, or a behavior would be interpersonal conflict, right? We see stories of families. I'm thinking of David and his family having a lot of interpersonal mm-hmm. conflict. Um, and a particular verse back in Proverbs says uh, from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14, the beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop. Don't continue. Stop contention before a quarrel starts. And it's funny because when you go to, to get your education in our mental health profession, Katie, they teach you all these little basics like, okay, you know, this is how you're, this is how you communicate this, but the Bible already had the wisdom there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. It actually reminds me. So it says stop contention before a quarrel starts. This is actually, so DBT has many acronyms and one of the acronyms for interpersonal conflict, how to deal with interpersonal conflict is stop. And it stands for S stop. T, take a step back, O, observe, and then P, proceed mindfully. 
And it's this idea that often when we're so emotional, we say things we don't want to say, we're angry, we put each other down. And it, the Bible says, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Recognize if I'm not at the place where I can have a productive conversation, stop. This is one of the number one things that I tell my clients, especially couples. If you're recognizing I'm in my emotional mind, do not start a conversation. Stop contention before a quarrel starts. And I was just thinking, Crystal, when you mentioned stories or passages, um, the story of Joseph is a, a, a really important one on the, the topic of forgiveness, how he was able to forgive his brothers. Yes, powerful. Even though I would imagine he was still hurt, but he forgave. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was in a power to be abusive and not forgive. Mm-hmm. Okay, what other behaviors, Chriselle, quickly? Because we still need to get through thoughts, emotions, and... Yes, and so there is a common saying, hard work or diligence in our work, maybe a better way to say it. Yes, there are countless verses in regards to how we are to be in terms of our work ethic, yes. right? Which is a behavior. Um, so that's a good point. Uh, another one, Katie, would be substance use. Mm-hmm. This is a huge topic in regards to mental health behaviors that we may engage in Um, substance use in proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 says wine is a mocker intoxicating drink arouses growling and whoever is led astray is not wise yeah and the bible also talks about addictions as well yes and so we're not going to go into because i think that it's so common that we're going to have to have separate episodes just for addictions Um, Adam and Eve in the story of the fall talks a lot about the cycle of addiction and and how we can, um, in relation to shame and other things, but definitely we'll get back to it. Now, this one is very, very popular these days with positive psychology. It's the topic about gratitude. So research has been shown that gratitude and doing gratitude journals increases serotonin levels. Depression has low serotonin levels anxiety, and other mental health conditions have an imbalance of serotonin. Gratitude, and if anyone wants to type in what are some verses on gratitude, but there are throughout the Bible, scattered throughout the Bible of being grateful. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I'll say is, you know, it's not about, well, I'll just say this, Gratitude, just the act of gratitude and trying to look for things to be grateful for, it already improves our mental well-being. So, and I can promise and guarantee you this, that there are things that you can be grateful for. I have 10 fingers, right? I am able to speak. I'm able to breathe. There are people who don't have such privileges. We see here a verse. Are you turning to that verse, Chris, or are you turning to a different one? First Thessalonians 5.18. Yes, we have that here. It's, and it reads, in everything, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then in a couple of verses above, we have here, I think I have it here written, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, also below. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So two verses above. Rejoice always. So the emphasis yeah. of it's not just, oh, when I ple- when it pleases or when it seems as though it's appropriate, always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're struggling with your mental health, write a gratitude journal, right? Mm-hmm. Different things every single day. Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. Rejoice 
always, not when you feel good, because that's what, oh, I'll, you know, when I feel rejoice always in, in everything, give thanks. Mm-hmm. Also, the Bible talks about humor, the power of humor, right? Priscilla, what yes. does the Bible say? Well, several different things, but I know for myself, because my daughter listens to the song from Steve Green, uh, Joyful Heart is Good Medicine, right? And so, and that's true. There's a countless research that, that says that when we have positive outlook in life, when we have less stress that consumes us due to worry, but we're grateful for the things around us versus being pessimistic, we live longer lives. We live more fruitful lives. Because a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. They've even, did I share this before? I forget what I share. I'm always talking about mental health. I forget what I share to whom. Did I tell you about the, the pen or the pencil in the mouth? I no? don't think so. No. So they did a research study where they put a, they had their participants put a hen like this in there, huh? Mm-hmm. And just forcing a smile actually improved their mood. Oh, yes. So merry heart makes a cheerful countenance and a cheerful countenance makes a merry heart. The Bible also talks about rest, the importance of rest. So yes, in a busy, fast paced world, is that important for us? We just go, 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 go vacations, right? Vacations. That's what it's talking about. No, (laughs) I think we have um, a misunderstanding of the concept of what is quality sleep and the importance of sleep, right? The Bible says here, let's see, Psalms chapter four, verse four, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still, right? And then also says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13, do not love I think you're reading the one on sleep. You told me to do on sleep, right? On rest, on timeouts. (laughs) <laughs> oh here i'm thinking rest for me asleep <laughs> <laughs> well sleep is also important the bible talks about sleep as well yes it's a, it's actually a very important behavior to engage in because when we don't have good sleep it affects our mental health oh 100 percent. yeah so i don't know which verse you're referring to katie so rest in the sense of taking timeouts. so mm-hmm. in a fast-paced world we are just going 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 all the time but That's what leads to a lot of burnout. People are burnt out these days. And I tell people this, I said, imagine a life where it's this much stress and this much pleasure. Do you think you're going to be depression free? Do you think you're going to be anxiety free? Mm -hmm. Regardless of genetics, regardless of any predisposition towards a mental illness, how could we live a life of abundancy, right? Of life abundant and cheer and joy if it's like this. So what we need to do is we need to take pauses through our day, fill, so it starts climbing and then I take a pause, right? And I do something pleasurable then, and it's like this. So life becomes a balance of yes, stress and productivity, but also a joy. And we see that with Jesus's life, Jesus would you know, go up to a mountain, he'd go on a hike, Jesus would go and pray. He would Mm -hmm. go and rest. And one of the key components of that the Bible recommends is Sabbath rest, a whole day to recharge. 
And studies are showing, it's amazing, right? This is not to do with a particular religion. Studies are showing that rest, the Sabbath rest is huge and so important for well-being. When they studied the blue zones, Loma Linda was one of the blue zones because of Sabbath rest. We have a verse here, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. somebody's recommending for us to, to read. You have that, Crystal? No, not quite yet. Give me a second. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm. Yes. So the importance of taking rest. And I, I give this analogy to my clients. I say, you know, with, with a phone, what happens when it completely dies and you try to recharge it? Oh, it takes time for it to recharge. Not only does it take time, but it takes longer than even if you were to catch at 1%, you're like, right? Mm-hmm. It, it charges regularly. But if you, if you make it die, it takes forever to actually reboot. And that's the idea. Most of us wait till our mental health battery is completely dead. And then we go on vacation and it's really, it takes us a while or at the end of the day, then we try to fall asleep. We can't fall asleep. How am I recharging my phone throughout the day? Sometimes I'm really, you know, I'm like, oh, it's at this percentage. I'm just going to put it in for a little bit. Okay. I go and use it. Okay. Just for a little bit. But that's the idea of taking rest throughout the day to recharge. I like that, Katie. I'm going to use that. <laughs> You're welcome. Free of charge. <laughs> Free of charge. So, Crystal, what are some a summary of behaviors, good, healthy behaviors that if somebody is just catching this right now, say, okay, those are the behaviors I need to do in order to start improving my mental well-being? And not only are they behaviors, but these are just some that the Bible highlights. There are so many more. There's so many more exercise. Yes. Yes. So many more. And I like the one that the person brought up in regards to diligence. There are also principles of the Bible. Like I, I, one that came to mind is like, uh, what was, what's it say? May your, make your nays, your nays, What's, what's it, which yes, verse is that? Your yeas, your yeas, yeah. Yes, yeah. in regards be a to person being of a your person word. of your word. Because when you're mm-hmm. not, it causes interpersonal conflict. <laughs> and it, it disturbs your inner peace, right? I have clients who have a sense of integrity. And that mm-hmm. is kind of an anchor in their lives, right? Yeah, it's an anchor and it helps whenever there's any point of temptation or a decision to be made because you have integrity, whether that be in your workplace or in your home or in your marriage, et cetera, in relationships, you live a better life in terms of your mental health. And so those are just some behaviors, but I think the main point is to reiterate that the Bible touches on the point that behaviors, particular behaviors are important to, to engage in or to abstain from. So social connection, not isolation, forgiveness, boundaries, no substance use, um, sleep, rest, humor, gratitude, 
And ones that we didn't cover include diet, exercise, water, temperance, trust in God, other, mm -hmm. other ones as well. So many principles in God's word, but we can't cover them all because we want to cover what's next, emotions. Chris, are emotions good or bad or neutral? Or neutral. <laughs> um, well, most people that I have come in contact with will tell me, I don't like to feel. To feel is to be weak and emotions are uncomfortable. Do I have to feel? And so most people from what I've heard is that they're bad. Yeah. And some people try to use scripture to say, oh, the heart is deceitful above all things, right? No, that's actually talking about the mind and how the mind can be deceptive. But emotions are good. God has given us emotions to communicate to us mm -hmm. about our surroundings. But it depends really on how we manage those emotions. So this verse we, we all want to turn to because it is so this is my favorite verse on emotions, Proverbs 16, 32. 16, 32. And it reads, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. What does this mean, Chrisal? That we... We, we get upset. We get angry. <laughs> it doesn't say he who angers. No, who, he who is slow to anger. The importance of regulating your emotion. Not to omit yeah. an emotion, but to regulate it. And this is basically saying regulating our emotions is hard. So if mm -hmm. you're able to manage it, you're better than the mighty. You're mm -hmm. better and more victorious than somebody who could take a city. That's a huge mm -hmm. accomplishment. So it's not easy. The Bible saying it's not easy, but it's good. It's not saying, oh, anger is bad, right? The verse that says, be angry and do not sin. Emotions are good, but it's really about how we manage them, mm -hmm. right? So what are different emotions that the Bible talks about? Does the Bible talk about anxiety? Yes. Does anyone know any verses about anxiety? Is all any ones that come to mind for you? Oh, we have one. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties or your cares upon him for he cares for you. Mm. Yeah. One of my favorite ones, Philippians 4, 6. Literally, so if you're, again, if you're struggling with your mental health, Use these verses. If there are specific emotions, use, okay, I have one. My, I have one for anxiety. I have one for depression. I have one for anger. And I quote these when I'm struggling with my emotions. So uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. So I'm like, Katie, I'm feeling anxious. And I say, be anxious for nothing. God is telling me, Katie, do not be anxious. And then the verse gives you how not to be anxious. Do you remember what it says, Crystal? Or do you have it? No, I don't have it here. But in prayer and in thanksgiving, right? With prayer and supplication. So it's giving you the solution, the recipe of how not to be anxious. Because, okay, be anxious for nothing. Poof, gone. God says, zap your anxiety. No. He says, let me give you the tools. With prayer mm -hmm. and supplication, 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, they receive gratitude again. So I can pray. I can ask God what I need, but then thank him. Have the faith that he will give it to you. And Katie, prayer is another behavior. Prayer is another behavior. Mm-hmm. Prayer, supplication, gratitude. And then what's the, what's the result of this recipe? The peace of God, which surround, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Yes. So I tell myself, okay, feeling anxious, be anxious for nothing. Okay. What do I need to do? I need to pray. I need to ask God and thank him in faith mm-hmm. that he will, even if you don't feel it, do it with Thanksgiving. It doesn't say wait for the response and then be thankful. It mm-hmm. says with Thanksgiving. What about depression? What about depression? Proverbs 12, verse 25. Okay, what does that say? Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Yeah, I I think about um, a scripture song that goes, why are thou cast down, O my soul? Why are thou disquieted within me? When your hope or the help, when God is the help of my countenance or the hope of my countenance. So, Mm -hmm. So I ask myself, I'm like, Katie, why are you cast down? Like why it says another version says, why are depressed spirit? Katie, why are you feeling depressed if God is my hope and my salvation, right? Using these verses to help us manage our emotions. And Katie, going back to the previous verse in Philippians, I just want to to emphasize the point that sometimes when we have emotions, we feel lost, consumed by that emotion, thinking there's nothing we can do on our end. But there is, and the Bible reiterates the point that through prayer and thanksgiving, there's a connection by the behaviors we engage in have an impact on the intensity or the emotion that we're experiencing. Mm, Yeah. And those behaviors help us take our minds off of anxiety and onto God. Mm -hmm. And that's really important because what we teach our clients is that rumination is a very common thing that we do when we're anxious. We ruminate on the same thought, on the same thought. And sometimes that thought starts growing and growing. The Bible has something to say about rumination too. It Mm. says, do not worry about tomorrow. Mm. When you're you're catastrophizing, we'll talk about cognitive distortions. When you're fortune telling, oh, I'm going to fail the test tomorrow. Oh, I know tomorrow's not going to be a good day. Oh, this week is going to be horrible. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow. What? We'll worry about itself. Mm -hmm. Like, the day that will come just deal with what you have that's mindfulness being present just focus on today and i i really like when 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 jesus says basically you can't add an hour to your life by worrying like the worry doesn't help so why are you worrying worry just about what what you can get done and then trust in god and you know katie I have heard this verse several different times in my life, but you know, the importance of repeating it, reading it, being aware and integrating it into your life is where the change happens because you can hear it, but if you don't practice it and put it into your thoughts, which we're going to get to next, 
and have that full connection of your behaviors, your emotions, mm-hmm. and your thoughts all working together, it won't have the power as God intends it to have on our lives. Mm. Yeah, Crystal, you had a, a verse you sent me earlier in our when we were texting about um, fear, right? The spirit of fear. I think it was Second Timothy, chapter one seven. Remember the the equation. Let's turn remember. there if you don't remember. Second Timothy one no, seven. So we have a verse, we have a couple of verses for anxiety and worry. We have a couple of verses for depression and there are more, of course, and really holding on to those thoughts and those, those verses, I should say. And then we have several, I mean, I don't know how many times the Bible talks about, do not be afraid, be not afraid, right? Do you have it, Chriselle? Second Timothy, which verse? I think it's one seven. Is it? Oh, yes. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Is that the verse I sent you? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. <laughs> right. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. So when you're afraid, you can quote this and say, God, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, calm mind. I had a client actually this week. She says, I read that verse and I'm asking God to give it to me. So we had a whole session to talk about, well, what does the Bible have to say about having a sound mind? Mm. Should we actually transition? Yes. Let's transition to a sound mind. Thoughts. So how do we get a sound mind? And these are the verses that we covered. The importance of changing our thoughts. And this is really the main emphasis of the Bible and the main emphasis of many different modalities and treatments in psychology and mental health, changing the mind, changing our thoughts. Yes. Romans chapter 12, verse Mm -hmm. two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And I really like the emphasis of the renewing, It's not just to renew your mind. It's a continual practice. It's a behavior to continue engaging in, to be intentional, the intentionality of that. Yeah. Second Corinthians 10, five says, keep every thought captive, meaning renewing of your mind by catching the thoughts and saying, is that truthful God? Mm -hmm. Right. We often used to say, what would Jesus do? And there were bracelets and there were, you know, all these things. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? If you're struggling Just start asking yourself, what would Jesus think in this situation? And be transformed by the renewing, the constant renewing, keeping every thought captive. It doesn't say keep some thoughts captive or bring some thoughts at the end of the day to God. No, keep every thought captive to obedience of Christ. And Katie, the the previous words prior to being transformed by the renewing of your mind is to not be conformed to this world. Yeah. We live in a world that is negative is filled with so much negativity so much we hear so many different messages that are discouraging Mm -hmm. from television from social media from even the stories of the suffering of those that we love around us that Mm -hmm. bring us down and so god knows that we live in a world that's going to pull us down yeah. And that's why he's giving us this guidance and, and encouraging us to take the time to renew our mind. 
and not just renew it once, but continue to do it because the world is going to feel like it's crushing you. Yeah. And I think that goes along with Colossians 3, 2, that says, set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth, right? It's this idea that if you focus on your life, oh, my life is horrible. Oh, my. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, we have lives that are really difficult. But when we set, when setting our minds is being intentional, right? And that, I think, you know, ties in well with Philippians 4, 8. And that, that one we'll go to because it's so important to read. 4.6 talks about, right, being anxious for nothing. But Paul continues to give us some very good mental health advice. And that's found in Philippians 4.8. And for some of you who may be familiar with CBT, this is a very CBT-centered verse in the sense of how do we have thoughts, good thoughts? It's not saying, oh, be positive and everything's great. No, the key word here is true. Crystal, can you read that for us? Philippians 4, verse 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What does it mean to meditate? To ruminate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we typically ruminate on negative things. So Mm -hmm. if we were to do a list of things we actually ruminate on, we would say, finally, brethren, whatever things are untrue, lies, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. things are lies, I tell very negative things to myself about myself or others whatever things are not noble, right? Unjust. I think about the things that are unjust and unfair in my life. That's so unfair. And so forth. The list goes on. We meditate. We think on those things instead of thinking on things that are true. Right. We're not looking for positive thoughts. We're looking for true thoughts. True, pure, noble, lovely, praiseworthy. So anything that is not considered all of that is a moment of stop that thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah. Am I going to allow it to take rent as one of our previous viewers were saying to take rent occupation in my brain? Yeah. And sometimes I tell my clients, sometimes a thought is true, but the second question to ask yourself is, is it helpful to dwell on? So sometimes it's truthful, but it's not helpful to dwell on. That's why it mm-hmm. says whatever is true. Yes right? But also whatever is noble, praiseworthy, etc. So we have behaviors, we have emotions, we have thoughts, such good counsel. But there's one last thing that that is a little bit, those are great things to start working on. But there's a deeper work that needs to take place in mental health, and for our mental well being. And that's what core beliefs, core beliefs. Yes. Somebody here says, love Psalms 34, 18. God knows your heart and is always close to you, especially in hard times. Mm -hmm. Let's just quickly read it. Psalms 34, 18. And it reads, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Amen. And save such as have a contrite or some versions say depressed spirit. 
I mean, verse 17 too, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. Amen. So Chriselle, you said core beliefs. What, what is a core belief? Well, I, the way that I introduce it to my patients is I say that if I were to hand over to you glasses and the lens were green, and then I put on a pair of my, my, of my own and my lens are rose tinted. And I walk into the room and I'm like, wow, Katie, the room is just really pink. It's like really pink today. <laughs> You're like, no, it's green. I see it through my perspective, my lens, and you see it through yours. Who's to say who's true, who's not? Core beliefs are in regards to the things that we go through, experiences that shape the way that we view ourselves, view others, we view the world, and we view God. And those beliefs shape the way that we think. Mm-hmm. And the way that we think can affect the way that we, we, we behave. And the way that we behave can affect the way that we experience and manage our emotions because it all connects. And so you see like a triangle, thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and above that are core beliefs. Yes. And often core beliefs are created out of childhood experiences right? Experiences over and over and over again that create an example for that might be, I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. So it's not, you don't have the exact thought. That's more a belief that feeds all the other thoughts. And we see that principle in the Bible. Proverbs 23, seven says, as a man thinks, so is he. So how we think and the experiences that we go through create how we even view ourselves. The power of thoughts is, you know, there's a quote that says, you know, be careful what you think because your thoughts become actions or your thoughts become words. Be careful what you say becomes actions. Be careful actions because it eventually turns out to be your character and your character leads to your destiny. Mm. So it's not just about changing our thoughts, emotions, behaviors, but also our core beliefs. And there are different biblical stories that talk about changing our core beliefs but we're not going to mention them because we're going to actually cover them in future sessions. And there are powerful, powerful examples in the Bible of how God can heal our negative core beliefs. When I view myself as ugly, as dirty, right? Oh, people who go through trauma view themselves as dirty, unlovable. God can change those for us. Instead of just snipping the top of a weed, he goes to the roots And he takes Mm -hmm. out the roots in order for us to have complete healing, the gospel of peace. Yes. And so if you are working on this triangle and you're trying to, you're like, you know, yeah, I'm renewing my thoughts. I'm trying to renew my mind, but I'm having a hard time. I'm not quite believing the, these thoughts that I'm changing. Then that is an indication that there may be a deeper issue in relation to your core belief that needs to be dug up evaluated and changed. And what's amazing, and I'm so grateful to God that he has designed us to be this way, is that core beliefs don't have to stay the way that they are. They can change the same way that they've been shaped by experiences. We can pray, engage in the behavior of prayer, and ask God to send us experiences to change these core beliefs. Yes. 
And Philippians 4.13, if you want to turn there, is a verse we often quote. Philippians 4.13, very, very common. Some of you don't even have to turn there, but I want you to turn there because we're not going to just read that verse. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we often don't, we often miss out on the blessing of this verse by forgetting the context of this verse. And we're going to read verses 11 and 12. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Mm -hmm. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So basically what Paul is saying, no matter what state I'm in, if I'm hungry, if I'm full, if I'm rich, if I'm poor, if I'm happy or I'm sad, if I'm having A's or I'm, I'm failing, if I'm doing great at my job or I'm not, whatever state I'm in, whatever happens in my life, I've learned to be content in all things. Why? Because Christ is at the center of it all. And so some of you who are struggling, you know, you say, I want that. That's my goal, right? To be content in all things. There's a quote that says, you know, and is very commonly applied to CBT. When we are no longer able to change our circumstances, we're forced or challenged to change ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so this talks about how not just changing ourselves, but keeping our eyes focused on Christ and Christ himself, no matter what I go through. And in other verses, Paul talks about, I'll boast in infirmities. I'll, I'll be glad. I'll count it all joy when I fall into trials. Why? Because God's grace is sufficient, that God's presence in my life. And that's harder. That's easier said than done. But how can we turn to God as Paul does here and learn to be content in all things? Amen, Katie. Amen. So wrapping things up, right? Um, we wanted to recognize and to hit the point that the Bible is a practical guide when it comes to our mental health. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, we see here that there are so many theories that are out there and not to say that they're good or bad, but the Bible before those theories were even put into place mm -hmm. already had guidance and it's God forgive us for turning to other avenues before turning to him. And so if you've ever believed that the Bible does not have anything in regards to your mental health, that God is just concerned regarding your salvation. That is not true. He has given us practical tips and guidance, right? True guidance mm -hmm. of how to live our lives, a GPS with the best prescription, which is from the scripture. And yes. so I'm excited because I know from further episodes from here, we're going to go into further detail in regards to behaviors, in regards to thoughts. There's cognitive distortions we're going to go over. We're going to do many different things, but we do want to close with a particular verse found in Ephesians chapter four. So if you can just turn there with us. Okay. 
give me a second. I'm using a Bible that is not mine. I couldn't find my Bible. Okay, there we are. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, starting in verse 22. And it reads, That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. So Katie, what does this verse have to do with everything that we just covered? Well, we see here behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. So again, it says that you put off concerning your former conduct, behaviors, put off those old behaviors, those addictions and those maladaptive behaviors, unhealthy behaviors, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, our desires, our emotions, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, your thoughts, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. That when we focus on God, God being content in all things, that we can have complete regeneration and renewal and transformation that God wants for us. And not just again, not in the spiritual sense alone, but a holistic healing that God desires for us. God wants you to be made whole. He wants mm -hmm. you to, to have a joyful, right? A joyful heart. God wants that for you. And he contains the secrets to those here, the directions to our mental well-being through his word, the GPS to our mental well-being. Amen. So there's another truth prescription, right? From the best prescriber. <laughs> From the best prescriber. So we want to thank you so much for joining us today for our episode, but we want to not leave you hanging as we have every episode an application. So this episode, I'll say this week because we do bi-weekly, but this episode's application is to choose one truth prescription, just one of a memory verse or passage that can serve as your GPS in navigating your mental well-being in the next two weeks. So we talked about the Bible verse saying, renewing your mind, engaging in the practice of continuing to utilize the word. And we know that the word is truth. So if you're struggling with negative thoughts that are not truthful and you need to make them truthful, the best guide is the truth. So just choose one and allow that to be your GPS in navigating your mental health in these next two weeks. Mm -hmm. Katie, right, would well, you close with yes. prayer, please? Yes, of course. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we want to thank you so much for your word and how your word is practical. It's not just this ancient text that we can read and be reading it as good Christians, Lord. We want to read it as a practical tool for our mental well-being, God. And I just want to pray, God, that whoever watches this episode, whether Christian or non-Christian, Lord, that they may be able to seek these principles in your word for their well-being, God. You desire for us to be whole. You desire for us to be happy and content, to be content in all things. And so, Lord, I just pray that each person may gain a glimpse of that contentment and happiness as they apply these prescriptions into their own lives, Lord. We can trust you as a prescriber, as an empathic prescriber, as a, one that desires our good, that you as the Father wants to give us good and perfect gifts, God. 
And so, Lord, we trust you and we accept these gifts and we ask that you may give us the ability to apply them and so that we can come back in two weeks and be grateful of how you've blessed us in our lives, Lord. So please be with us and let the Spirit also encourage us to apply these principles, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And as we always say, don't forget to take your daily dosage of the truth. Why, Katie? Because if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.